last week I had a chance to go hiking with my brother-in-law John up by uh, Mount Adams and so on a Wednesday we were driving to the trailhead of a hike that we had read about a hike to Bird Creek Meadows and uh, they said it had a great viewpoint over Hell Roaring Canyon and who wouldn't want to see Hell Roaring Canyon and so we drove out of uh, Trout Lake and we were on uh, you know pal- uh, grave, uh, 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 paved roads and then all of a sudden we were transitioning to gravel forest service roads and we drove up through the forest and some of it had been burned back in 2015 and then we came around a bend and all of a sudden there was an enormous gate right across the road there hadn't been any notices there hadn't been any warnings all of a sudden a gate all of a sudden our plans for that day changed very abruptly well Over the last 18 months, uh, we've all had the experience of our lives changing abruptly. Uh, The COVID pandemic has impacted everything, and that includes our faith. And so even as we trust that God is faithful, that God is steadfast, that God's love endures forever, everything else has shifted. So this morning, we've asked three people to uh, share about how their faith has been impacted, how it's been challenged, how it's been changed. Uh, And it's an opportunity for each of us to reflect on uh, what's shifted in our lives and in our faith and where this journey uh, as followers of Jesus will take us next. So we're going to hear first from Lori Nussbaum. She's going to join us via Zoom and then from Paul Rondema and then from Kim Brandt. So, Lori. What do I have to say about faith right now? And what does faith even mean? Over the last few years, I've had a lot of unanswered questions about what it means to be a faithful person of faith and an active participant with the verb faith. It seems that faith is a bundle, but the actual product that permeates each of our hearts depends on what brand of faith we let others market to us. And oftentimes the marketing can be self-serving and deceptive. Belief, trust, conviction, action, Get your strong, sturdy faith today and keep it close by at all times to use in case of emergencies or threats of danger or potential threats of potential danger that aren't actually dangerous at all. Solve all moral conflicts with a quick spray of this faith. It's only for a select few, but don't worry. We'll let you know if you fit our standards as one worthy to have this brand of faith. We easily forget that every faith bundle is meant to be a fluid and living to be fluid and living, not a stoic and static weapon to be wielded for our whims. I have longed for safety of body, mind, and spirit, yearned for some sense of greater security and stability. I've been in a near constant state of feeling protective, vigilantly on guard, and always alert. This is exhausting. I've often been held by the Bermuda Triangulation of fear, helplessness, and cynicism. Then grief starts to speak and collective regret for society at large, then anger and frustration, and I'm back in the Bermuda Triangle. I've wished for some magical sweep of global respect, empathy, understanding, harmony, and humanity, but people keep letting me down and I keep letting people down. Many evenings are ended with the thought that it's all meaningless and nothing makes sense. Yet there we are again before falling asleep, taking our mostly nightly routine spiritual dip into a pool of scripture on a version devotional on my phone, 
taking our dutiful turns to pray every other night, some nights more reluctantly than others, knowing that this routine is part of what keeps the faith bundle living, moving, and breathing, fluid just as it was meant to be. I've struggled to know how to pray. I don't want to get things wrong the way I feel so many Christians are getting things wrong. I don't want to be one of those Christians. I want to be one of the special, authentic Christians, the true Christ followers, one of the ones who lives what Christ came for. And then I realize I'm failing every day to be a faithful follower. And yet I will keep trying to live out this bundle called faith. And yet I am continually grateful for undeserved free grace as I keep taking half-hearted aim and missing. And yet, even though I keep failing, I will continue to put in an effort, albeit sometimes a very small, feeble effort, to listen, to seek to understand, to attempt to follow through, and to set out to be faithful in the small things and the big. Is it okay to splurge for a couple half gallons of Tillamook or Briar's ice cream? Should I be buying food to serve the poor instead? Is it okay to replace our 20-year-old refrigerator that's on its last leg when there are people living in tents just down the street? I don't know. Yes, I bought the ice cream. Yes, the new fridge is on its way. Perhaps there is more to being faithful than self-righteous self-denial. I'm not convinced we're coming out of the pandemic just yet. Today, I feel like we are in the middle or perhaps merely the long beginning of an extended pandemic experience. Yet through and despite all this, I still have hope. Mainly my hope has been coming in the form of natural beauty, growing things, trees, flowers, vegetables, berries, deep aqua water tones against the white froth of rapids, sunlight through trees. I also feel hopeful when I see my kids loving each other deeply and when I experience kindness, and when connection confidently presses up against isolation and tells her that she will not win. I have been grateful during this time for the virtual connection with our church community, and I have also noticed that Sundays after church, I'm exhausted from the emotional and spiritual experience and still grateful. I can't imagine doing life without a faith community that I feel is trying out a similar model of faith as my own. Belief, trust, conviction, action. If you're looking for physical safety and security, this malleable faith bundle is not to be trusted. If you're looking for a steadfast companion as your heart and spirit adventure with the mysterious wind of God, stretchy, curious, nimble, multifaceted, deep faith is the one for you. As you submit to the strange familiarity of God, you'll be amazed by how the spirit humbles changes and uses your personalized faith bundle for the good of the world that Jesus loves so dearly and compassionately. And this faith bundle is free for anyone who believes that Jesus is Lord. Simply speak the words, perhaps paired with Jesus, help my unbelief. I've been asking God to help us know how to be faithful and to hear and act when asked. I just hope that I will have my stubborn ears open so the message can reach me and that I'll have my stubborn hands ready to serve and that my stubborn heart will be ready to melt and be molded, even if that means next time leaving the ice cream behind and buying some soap, toothbrushes, snacks, 
and water to give away instead. I'm an introvert. It's true, I teach eighth and ninth graders, and it's also true that I embrace the nuttiness that such an endeavor entails. But were it not part of my job, I would be perfectly content hiding away. So when the pandemic hit, and I, like so many of you, had to forego face-to-face -face interactions, I looked upon such a change as not necessarily a bad thing. I figured, uh, COVID would pass soon enough, and before long, I'd be in front of my 13 and 14-year-olds rolling my eyes at them when they weren't rolling their eyes at me. Newsflash, the pandemic has lasted longer than I expected. But some things have played out the way the introvert in me hoped. These past 18 months, Jen, Anna, and I have grown as a family. We've become closer. The culture of our family has strengthened. And if there were ever a time when Anna had to abandon face-to-face -face school, middle school is an okay time for that to happen. <laughs> because let's face it, in middle school, normal is a relative term. So our family has thrived, but my personal faith has not. I've questioned why, and the introvert part of me doesn't like the answer. And aside, for the past two decades, I've recognized the importance of culture in my classroom. I work to develop a culture where everyone expects to grow, where students who I've had in the past acculturate newer students, where the pressure a student feels is of a positive sort. The culture I create in my classroom perpetuates a virtuous cycle. These last 18 months have highlighted the absence in my life of a communal culture of faith. Church, small group, the at least weekly face-to-face -face interactions with other people of faith, with other people who encourage me implicitly or explicitly, has been missing. I knew the importance of relationships and routines in my classroom, but I was blind for more than 40 years to the virtuous cycle prompted by this community's culture of faith. As my personal faith has atrophied, I become aware of how much the culture of PMC and our small group has impacted me and how much the absence of those face-to-face -face interactions has hindered my spiritual life. Another aside, I coach cross-country and track and I often remind my runners about the importance of running with teammates, of training with the team, people who are gonna push them to run faster and run farther than they ever would run on their own. I'm a stubborn man Jen would tell you that if anyone is going to run too hard and too far, especially in the heat, without other people encouraging them, it's me. In my faith, I'm stubborn also. I still read the Bible by myself. I still pray by myself. I still reflect by myself. But I haven't sought other people of faith to push me to run farther and run faster. I know, I know. I could seek other ways to get that interaction, to immerse myself in the culture that I know is good for me. But I'm an introvert. It's easier, so much easier, 
to, to stay at home, to unplug my computer, to hide. If the Apostle Paul is right that we have a race set before us, I haven't been running a good race. I haven't trained with other people. I haven't had the conversations I know I need to have. I haven't immersed myself in a community of faith. I haven't placed myself in a culture of excellence. I've been in a culture of me, and I, by myself, haven't cut it. I need other people. I need this place. As much as I thought the pandemic would be exactly what I, an introvert, needed, I was wrong. I need this culture of faith. This pandemic has taught me that I need you. start by saying it's very humbling to follow those two people. I'm kind of nervous. You know, during the last year and a half, I've seen the Columbia Gorge two or three times, the Wallowa Mountains for the first time, Glacier National Park was my son, and they were stunning. But this, this view from here is probably the most beautiful thing I've seen in a year and a half. I went through the initial isolation of the pandemic as a new widow, living by myself for the first time in my life, and couldn't decide whether I was glad my husband was spared going through this, or whether he, with his quiet and almost hermetic pre-pandemic life, would have been of all the people I know most suited to navigate this time. I never decided. I just missed him and his touch and his unique wisdom and perspective. And when I saw others lose their beloved partners, parents, friends, my first reaction, besides heartbreak for their loss, was heartbreak because most couldn't gather everyone around them, everyone they loved, to hold them with their actual arms, to spill their tears on each other's actual shoulders. But I was impressed by how so many rose to the pandemic's challenges, buying each other groceries, making each other cookies, sharing each other's playlists, making each other masks, and staying out of each other's space. This church and all those around me just figured it out. I was surprised by how little I was able to focus on what I couldn't do, and was able to be glad for Zoom and phones and the front deck Merlin and the kids built me for Mother's Day, or at least at Mother's Day, on 20, in 2017, which became my living room and dining room when I needed in-person company. Unable to see my mom in person, I was grateful for those who went to work every day and took loving care of her, putting themselves at risk to do it. I work at OHSU, caring for folks with opioid addiction at an outpatient clinic. In February, we were starting to get ready to gradually phase in telemedicine. In March, we phased it in over not much more than 25 hours from zero to 100%. And with sudden and timely rule changes from what I always think of as the stodgy old drug enforcement agency to allow treatment of drug addiction at a distance, we were seeing patients across the state who could never make it into treatment any other way. And yes, you just heard me say something good about the DEA. Don't hold your breath. <laughs> 
they have their they have their space how did i change spiritually since march 2020 did i always feel god's nearness i did not did i always know god was near anyway pretty much there was so much to pray for so i prayed a little more i tried to pull out my church directory the app any day that i remember to tap random faces and pray for you I prayed for people who couldn't mark the passing of their loved ones in any of the old familiar ways. I attended funerals of the famous on TV and memorials of the less famous on Zoom, and I was blessed by each one. Above all, I think, or at least I hope, I grew in gratitude and hope I grow in the grace to navigate hard times that will almost surely come again if I live another 10 or 20 years. <coughs> Excuse me. The pandemic is not in our rearview mirror yet at all. We still have a duty of care, of love, to our neighbors down the block and around the world. Health justice has never been achieved in this world, but I'm glad to be part of a people and able to support other people who try to take health care and health justice seriously. I'm going to end with a list of thanks. It's a little bit long, and I'm sure I've left a lot of things out. Thank you, Merlin Brandt, for living with me long enough that I have a pretty good store of answers to the question, what would Merlin do? That has served me really well this year. And thanks for the excellent children I sort of helped you raise. Thank you, Molly and Peter Brandt, for your endless love, patience, and help, and for believing that I can't be as clueless as I seem sometimes, and for putting all my bills on auto pay. Thank you, Kelly Doyle-Smith, for being the lovingest, praying-est sister a girl could ask for. Thank you, governors of states who made wise but unpopular decisions and saved lives by it. Thank you, Christina Moss, for harvesting my Brooks plums and making dozens of yummy things out of them and letting me eat them. Thank you, Britt Carlson, for inventing random calls of kindness and letting me laugh on the phone with people I hadn't known that well at all. I hated to see it end. Thank you, every PMCer who has attended those Zoom services and classes and coffee hours and small groups and memorial services, and I don't know what all, to keep our pilot lights lit in our relationships as strong as they could be while we could not hug and breathe the same air. Your presence in all these ways has been no small thing, and it is no small thing. It's no faint nod to the real thing. It is the real thing and the loving thing which is good because it may have to continue for a while and from time to time. Thank you, Maryville Care staff, for loving and caring for my mother, Pat Doyle, for whom I'm also grateful, helping me talk with her on the phone, on the iPad, at the window, and for keeping me up with how she was doing. And especially for playing her favorite music, which was everything from Elvis to Prince, and for just coming to work every day. You are my heroes and I love you. Thank you, musicians who lead a congregation you couldn't see or hear. And I promise you, I was always singing with you. Always. Thank you, Bob Burton, for giving me good advice for all my home repair and tech needs and for replacing my kitchen faucet while I mostly sat in the living room with the front door off and open, speaking loudly through my mask. Thank you, preachers, for preaching to empty rooms. That could not have been what you signed up for at seminary, but you did it with grace and good humor, and the preaching did not suffer at all. Can I get an amen? amen. All right.
Thank you, Anthony Fauci, for being the consistent, grandfatherly voice of reason, even as the science was evolving. Thank you for not resigning. Thank you, makers of books, TV, mo movies that gave me new perspectives on life as experienced by other Americans, Americans of color, especially black Americans. Thank you, patients at my clinic, at a distance, who are kind and grateful when I am half an hour late and who treat me like I'm an angel when I'm only giving them the respect they deserve for being made in God's image and surviving and seeking help. And thank you, Lord of the whole universe, for being present in love, even when I was not paying attention, for giving me help when I failed to even remember to ask for it, for giving me lots of ways into your book when I did not feel like reading it, for keeping me going for the people who need the care I can provide, even when I just felt like going home early. Thank you for your beloved community, and may we never cease to behold your beauty, Lord, the source of all beauty, and to give you thanks and praise. Through Jesus, whom it is our privilege to know. Amen.